Hello, I'm Barnaby Eaton-Jones, international chinbeard model and publisher of Doctor Who Anthologies, chinbeard books, plug, plug, plug. Welcome to Doctor Who's line, is it? Anyway, where everything's made up and neither script nor canon matters. Enjoy! Welcome to Doctor Who's Line, is it? Anyway, this week we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we've had a couple of times when we've all gathered together to do one of our recording sessions to do, get an episode out, and for whatever reason, it hasn't worked. We've either had a technical problem, or somebody hasn't turned up, or somebody's had to break off to do something else, and whilst that's been going on, whilst we've been waiting for things to resolve, we've basically had a chat with the people who were there. So we thought, just for a change, we'd, we'd put out these as individual episodes. So yeah, so this is it. This is an in-conversation with... There's going to be another one of these coming up in a few weeks' time, but this is the first one. So yeah, just general Doctor Who chat. So hope you enjoy it, and here it comes. I was thinking... Are, are you familiar with the... Um... <laughs> Obverse Books Black Archive series. Oh, yes, indeed. And my pitch for them is going to be um, uh, Christian uh, mythological analogy in, in Paradise Towers. <laughs> I mean, it's it, for Christian allegory because yeah. there's lots of it. It's, an, it's intense. Yes. Paradise Towers, hands down, the worst Doctor Who story ever made. Oh, all oh, hail oh, the oh, all alive. I love that I episode love that. so much. No, it's. Um, no, really? I, I, more than I, I, the evolution of the Daleks and Daleks take Manhattan? Or, yep. or, or the one that we're watching now. <laughs> yep. Oh, <laughs> no, Time no, Lash. No, Delta and the Bannermen. Oh, I love that one, the Bannermen. Oh, yeah, Delta and the Bannermen's fun. Oh, no, I can think of one worse. That's in the Forest of the Night. Oh. Oh, yeah, that one. That's terrible. God, that's an awful story. It's, it's a good it's... idea. It's just. No, it's not. I think it's a, I think it's a very clever idea for a novel, but in a forty-five-minute yeah. television series, that that doesn't, for a show that's science fantasy, they do magical realism poorly. Yeah, yeah. Oh look, an entire forest has grown up overnight. Okay, yeah, maybe we can. That's a very that. Doctor Who thing. It's yeah. the, where did the forest go, and why did we see that's, the girl suddenly appear at the end? Yeah. And yeah. I've just been living in a bush for a week. <laughs> <laughs> if only one of you had I come... had a relationship like that once. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it was in Australia, so. Oh. Wait, did you see the bush or a bush? A bush. Oh. I tried living in Melbush once, but that didn't work. <laughs> She's a screamer. She was when I'd finished with her. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Sue's reaction to these kind of comments is what makes this worthwhile. Why are we just... <laughs> did you just record this and just put it on over the episode? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, Miles, can you guys still hear me? Yes, I can. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I, this new Skype, I closed out, 
And uh, it says I'm not a part of your conversation anymore, and yet I can hear everyone still talking. It's uh, all right. Oh, Whatever. thank God we didn't say anything rude about you. Except <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only one of your lights left, and it's flickering. Now you're going to start repeating here in a second. Of shit. <laughs> Winding us all up with his improv tease. <laughs> all right. Well, good night or good morning or whatever it is. Yeah. He don't forget he yeah. came. He came for the improv, but he stayed for the company. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that proves that I right. listened. <laughs> Did you get Randy and my? Well, not personally. No. Days. <laughs> oh, many a time, Sue. Many a time. Oh, darling. So, what do you do for Dalek voices? Started off, it was Simon and Lee from the Blue Box podcast, they did the Dalek voices and uh, Simon treated the voices um, so that they sounded Dalek-like. I've got a, right. a vocal effects um, processor, uh, which I bought a long time ago, which you, you plug a microphone in and you've got a foot pedal on it and you can change between different effects. Um, which, has, which has got the different voices in, so that's where the Cybermen voice comes in. The, the two different because we've got two different Cybermen voices because we have two different Cybermen so far, and I've and I've got a, a Dalek-like voice on there as well, which I've used. But I've also got another program which I can change. I can put the put effect onto, so I can make another Dalek-type voice. So if you listen to any of the um, the Dalek episodes, you will hear Pinks has been doing the Daleks recently because Lee and Simon aren't around. We had Christopher Guard actually played one of the Daleks as well in Victory of the Daleks. He did his cameo roles, and I actually used that as a Dalek and Dalekized him. So, why does why does that name ring a bell? He was Bellboy in Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Oh, oh, right. So, ah. yeah, another one of our celebrity cameos. Yeah, very nice. So, um, which is good. It's good that we've been able to get uh, so many of them in. Um, he was the one of the Daleks? I didn't was, realize he, you, yeah. Dalek, you Dalekized him. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the Daleks. Oh, uh, my bellboy. When, the, um, when the, the, the Dalek paradigm come out, they're on the spaceship and they the, 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 um, the progenitor is you know, sequenced and all the, the steam comes out and the doors open and all the different colored Daleks come out. Um, he was one of those. It doesn't really matter which one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was just one of those. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah, that was quite cool. So yeah, doing the, doing the Dalek voices is quite easy because we don't have, we don't have the Daleks sounding like Daleks. We kind of have them sounding a bit like Peter Cook and Dudley Moore most of the time. Um, and so people just use their ordinary voice and I just put the Dalek effect over the top of it. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've played a few Daleks as well. I've, I've added bits to them. Um, and when there's three on screen or two on screen recently, um, you know, then I'll, I'll stick in the, uh, the other voice just to, just to fill it in. If in any uh, Dalek stories that we get where, where Pink's is tied up and anybody basically can then, can then play a Dalek. Because as long as you sort of follow the the, the sort of characteristics that we've had had them doing before, then that then that's fine. Same thing with the Cybermen, really. You know, 
you, you'd be you'd be fine as a Cyberman because you've already kind of got the accent. So you know, cause what, they're, 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 they're West they're, Country. Aren't they? I, well, they're Cybermen. See, <laughs> oh, Cybermen. So all, all you need to do to remember with the Cybermen is is that they're obsessed with cider and they and oh, I'm sorry about that. Every time they kill somebody, oh, very sorry, very sorry about that. Didn't mean to do that. Press the wrong button. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, and then I just I just change the voice. Now, I've not tried changing the voice for anyone else for them yet because I've just used the, the the vocal effects processor I've got. But in theory, I should be able to find some way of of cybernizing the voice somewhat. So, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, and that will happen because when we get to Revenge of the Cybermen, quite clearly I'm not going to play the Doctor and all of the Cybermen. <laughs> I might potentially be able to play one of them. When he's not in a scene with the doctor at some point, but uh, but someone else is definitely going to have to have to take take the reins for that one because there's conversations between the doctor and the Cybermen, and I can't be there frantically pe- pressing the, the the pedal and hoping that it works in time for me to say the next thing and then flicking off of it for, for going back to the doctor again. So it doesn't help that they're the worst sounding Cybermen of the lot. Well, the revenge ones. Yeah. Yeah, the the um, the emoting Canadian Cybermen. Mm. Um, I I don't know quite what will what what because they obviously they change they change appearance and they change voice and I have changed voices for the the eighties Cybermen to the modern series Cybermen, which is the two that we've done so far. Yeah, um, there's no reason why we need to change the voice any further than that. Although I am quite keen when we get to the um, the tenth planet ones to kind of go down a slightly 10th planety version uh so even oh, though the, right. even though so the characteristics yeah sound like this yeah we like a nice bit of cider oh i'm sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> i am off to the pub now <laughs> if you'd like to join me for a nice whisp- a nice glass of woodpecker <laughs> You leave my pecker alone. <laughs> See, you are already cut out to be a Cyberman. Um, yeah. Oh, the um, I don't know if anybody's listened to Time of Angels yet. That's out. But the uh, the weeping <laughs> the weeping angels or the weeing angles as we call them. Um, <laughs> I'm already loving loving them. <laughs> Because it's basically Sue and Randy just doing silly noises. <laughs> What's that? What's that? <laughs> booga, 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 booga. Mm. <laughs> How the, do I end up on these podcasts? And the, the, the beauty about three degrees. The beauty, the beauty about that. Is that because you've recorded the clips? Any time the angels come back, you don't need to do any more. That's true. I've already, nope. I've already got all the bits, so I could just reuse it. I mean, we can we can add a few few bits to them as we go mm. along, but fundamentally, we've we've got them already. So the angels basically <laughs> have become the WhatsApp creatures. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh... I'm looking forward to getting the Sontarans back again because Derek Sontaran was off mm-hmm. the scale. <laughs> yeah, um, I forgot how he played it. How did he do that? Oh, he that played that? it as like a hillbilly. Yes, mm-hmm. that was good. Yeah, and it was like he was—he was there all in his own, in in amongst the rocks, 
you know, talk to people and he's just, oh, what is going wrong in my life? <laughs> 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 and then stress that he wasn't kinky and then Kerry, as uh, Sarah said, says the man in shiny leather. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I, I'm looking forward to them coming back. So, I mean, it, it's interesting, you know, doing the, the different things with the with the the recurring monsters but i think we've done we've done well with the the big ones so far i don't know what the next one would be actually the zygons possibly uh ice warriors? We get to... no well yes no. the thing is with the ice warriors is we might get to we'll probably get to them first with matt smith the way things are going because the trouton ones there's several stories before they appear we haven't started trouton yet the pertwee ones uh. We're into the third Pertwee season before the first Ice Warriors appear, and we haven't started Pertwee yet. And they're only with Trout and Pertwee and, well, well, Matt Smith and Capaldi, obviously, but we haven't started Capaldi yet either. And, and they're, with some... the third, they're with the third Doctor as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Trout and, Trout and Pertwee, Matt Smith yeah. and Peter Capaldi is the only the only the Ice Warriors. Um, and three of those eras we haven't started, and the other one is, is some way away yet, so... Well, yeah, it'll be interesting with those and the Silurians. Well, actually, the Silurians could be one of the next ones because we've got Amy's Choice as the next Matt Smith one to do. And then after that, it's Hungry Earth and uh, and Cold mm. Blood. So the Silurians might be the next ones to, to make an appearance. And God knows what they're going to do yet. But it will be somebody else playing them because I'm, I'm the Doctor in that one. Because so. um, that's four. No, three, four. I forgot when you said the Silurians were... Uh, Silurians, um, they they first appear with Pertwee. Uh, they're okay. the second. There's a second Pertwee story. So as and when we start Pertwee, they come up quite early. They're in a Davison story, Warriors of the Deep, but we've not finished the first Davison series yet, and no. they're in the third. So they're clearly somewhere away. But they are in not the next, but the one after of the Matt Smith stories. So oh, that's, that's right. That's probably okay. when they'll first appear. Because so. when you said um, I'm the doctor, I was like, the fourth? Huh? Yeah, fourth doctor? when I say and, and... I'm the doctor, it kind of narrows it down to three, doesn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I knew it wasn't uh... the first one, so it's like, okay, it's either the fourth or... Yeah. Forgot about yeah, Matt Smith. The, the fourth and the fourth never met the Solurians, so... No, notice um. how I forget about Matt Smith real easy. <laughs> yes, we know your Matt Smith agenda. The thing is, the Matt, the Matt Smith stories quite often don't have particularly large casts, so we're finding them relatively straightforward to get through. Amy's Choice is the next one on the list, and there's not a massive amount of people. Is in there that. a lot of flashing in Amy's Choice? The problem with Matt is that his episodes really, really encompass a lot of flashing and a lot of fast cuts. Yeah. I, I think like, I don't oh God, think there's don't much have... in the line of flashing in Amy's Choice, but they do. Just they do have a lot of sudden sudden cuts, don't they, when they switch from one dream state to the next dream state. But I don't know about flashing on that one. But any of the Matt Smith episodes, I automatically, unless it's something that clearly there isn't going to be much in the line of, uh, of flashing for, and I'm trying to think of which stories that could encompass at the moment, but I can't. Because even um, Isabella got me. Yeah, that was just at the end, wasn't it? It was the lightning mm-hmm. thing. It was going fine up until the end. And then wham, wham, and I thought, oh, oh, God, yeah. here comes the aura. And so, there were, 
I mean, even the couple that I watched with Randy, and I didn't watch very many because we'd get to a certain point, bam, lightning or quick cuts or whatever. And I couldn't see the end because it usually happened right at the end. And it's like, okay, great. Well, I can't watch the end of that. But the bad thing is that I don't want to be out for the entire thing of Matt Smith, but man, oh man, I don't want to end up... you know, with with seeing, we we're getting around that quite well with things like with the with the angels, which obviously right. you've got this one, you've got Time of Angels as well, um, and they're also in Time of the Doctor. Uh, the angels appear very briefly, so we've automatically we've already got your performances for those. See, I can sleep on those days. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I'm just trying to think. There's nothing that immediately springs to mind with with stories that are either prevalent or not particularly prevalent with with flashing because it's something that i think unless you're affected by it you tend not to even notice it you notice it because obviously you know it it's it's bad for you well yeah and um, i mean it's to the point where cartoon or not cartoons commercials i don't watch commercials mm. unless they're like old tiny commercials yeah because um everything is Quick cuts, um, it, it, it gets ridiculous. To And a lot of TV shows nowadays, you can't, you have to be very careful what you watch. And yeah. Aggravating. Me TV is what I usually, antenna TV or cozy TV or me TV, which is all retro. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I was, um, I was listening to, it was, um, it was an episode of Reality Bomb last week and they got a, a group of kids between five and ten about three or four kids together and they were they were talking to them about about doctor who which what what they liked and what they didn't like and this was um, during peter capaldi's first season and none of them were keen on capaldi one of the girls absolutely loathed him because they were used to matt smith who was fun and bubbly and bouncy and and you know, this other doctor comes in and it's not what they're used to. I dare say if you'd done the same thing with them a couple of episodes, a couple of seasons down the line, they'd have got used to him and they would probably quite like him. Right. But to begin with, they weren't keen at all. And then the stories that they picked on as, oh, these are the great stories, they went for A Good Man Goes to War and Let's Kill Hitler as the two stories that they, oh, mm. these are brilliant stories, these. And I don't think many people <laughs> would, no. would would sort of single those out when you've got things like, you know, The Doctor's Wife and Day of the Doctor and... Oh, God, The Doctor's Wife. But you've got... I I mean, you've got kids, and and they're going to go for anything guns, big, bang, flashy. Yeah. Ooh, around here, it's, oh, Matt Smith was amazing because it it was just... He's just so crazy, and he's over the top, and blah, blah, blah. I said, have you ever watched the old Doctor Who? Oh, I can't stand it. It's too slow. Yeah, I know. And you just think, oh, no, the, the the things that these people are missing out on. Just because today's stories are so crash-bang-wallop, yes. you know, it, it it doesn't mean to say that that's what it has to be. If you if you take your time with a story, you don't, need, you don't need it to slow down to a crawl. But if you just let it breathe a little bit, which is basically what the old series did, because if you compare, you know, 70s and 80s Doctor Who, say, for example, even to 60s Doctor Who, you'll notice there's a difference in pace with that. The 60s stories are a little bit slower than the 70s and 80s stories. But if you compare the 60s stories to stuff that went on in like the, the, the 50s and the early 60s and other dramas as well, 
you know, outside of science fiction, you'd get massive long scenes of just two people sat in a room talking. Mm-hmm. Right. Nothing going on with the camera just focused on the two, not even moving. And these two people would just talk and there was nothing to catch the eye. And people today would, would fall asleep with that well, going on. They can't believe that um, because when I first saw the first doctor, I was like, oh, I don't like him. But when we went back and watched it for this, and I was starting to look at things differently, I'm like, wait a second. This is way more with Barbara saving the day as much as she did. And for the writers to write it that way, where the doctor began to allow her to do so, and kidnapping his first companions and all this other stuff, I said, guys, the doctor wasn't always the nice guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's always a wonderful guy. Very well crafted to start with, because Hartnell definitely yeah. mellowed in the first few stories. From the, I mean, have you have you ever seen the pilot episode? Mm-hmm. As opposed to the, the yes, first it's very, it's yeah. very, very different. It's yeah, in, in tone. it's and it's darker and it's harsher. Yeah, as well. A lot of it's the same, and there are a few mistakes in it. Um, but it's yeah, it's you know that the characters of the Doctor and Susan are more extreme. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the things I like about the Colin Baker era is watching him mellow over time and and certainly um, going into the big finish stuff. Yes. Um, yes. Develop. He's, he's, well, he's, he is a fantastic doctor, in my opinion. He's 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 a very good he's a very good actor. And his doctor found its feet the further on he went in the role. Mm-hmm. The problem, I mean, it very much like we've had with Capaldi recently. I mean, everybody said so, when Capaldi started, or Capaldi from look and dress and everything like that, it's third doctor. But there's a lot more sixth doctor with Capaldi in the fact yeah. that he starts off as a much more unlikable character, unsympathetic character, and then gradually sort of mellows and mellows and mellows. But this was this was planned, and the show is at a height of popularity at the moment. When poor Colin took over, things were starting to change and production values weren't quite as good as they were and the BBC were taking a dim view of the series because it wasn't getting the ratings and it was science fiction. They always hated science fiction. Mm -hmm. And the decision to have Twin Dilemma at the end of a series where you then had a 12-month wait or a nine-month wait or whatever it was before you saw the next story, leaving, leaving a a doctor that's tried to strangle his companion and is very antsy and very obviously regeneration, you know, issues causing personality problems. Um, but leaving you with somebody that the, the, you know, Perry isn't sure that she likes the doctor at the end of the first story. The public generally is supposed to associate with the companion. So the entire viewing public is left. Do I, do I like this doctor or not? Because what 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 is going on? And then we get the next series, which obviously is very violent. And again, you've got more issues with things being overlit and budgetary constraints and just the, the general standard of the stories not being up to the level that they had been. And the BBC shuffling it around the time slots and... Yeah, that and And... You know, poor Colin was not given the best material to work with. He was doing, you know, what he could with what he had. And and, and a lot of people as well, you know, focus on the the costume, which they say, 
Uh, I'm, I always liked Colin's costume. I've never had a problem. I with do. Him. But I do. A, lot, a lot of people have said that because he's dressed kind of like a clown, it kind of takes your attention off of what, what he's going on. It, take, it makes it hard to take him seriously. And you take that with everything else that's going on, it, the whole thing in a barrel mixed up with all these ingredients, and the show was, was struggling. Well, you no, uh, I, I because I didn't. Sorry. Oh, no, go yeah. ahead. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you're always going to get people who like it. But you take you take sort of the general public, you know, and they they they've grown up with you know the Pertwee era was tremendously successful, right. which was very consistent with a doctor that was generally well liked. You get Tom Baker, who's hugely popular, stories so well written, so well produced, yeah. even though it's fantastical, off the wall stories. They were there were there was a sense to them, there was a believability to them. And everything just seemed to fit into place. And as time went on, as they they struggled to keep up with, you know, the way that the top top notch shows were looking, people always said, "Oh, you know, it, it looked a bit pantomimey at times." You you look at some of the stories and they look pantomimey. And Twin Dilemma, for example, you know, you you've got the Doctor in the costume he obviously wears. Hugo um, goes into the TARDIS um, wardrobe. And chooses some sort of sparkly, and the most hideous coloured <laughs> All of this is going on with two twins who can barely act in brightly coloured costumes and a slug. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and people are looking at this and thinking, "What? Am, what am I looking at?" You know, well, all I, these I, brightly coloured was... characters. And it, 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 if it had been made, you know, if the costuming had been toned down, darkened down, the, 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 the lighting of it all had been dimmed a bit, if it had been given a, a more serious and hard-hitting atmosphere to it all. The actual story for The Twin Dilemma isn't bad. No, um, it's not. A, a lot of it's down to the acting, I think, uh, 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 yeah, mostly from the kids. The, yeah. If they'd asked them better, it could have been so much better. Because is... scenes, uh, I mean, the scene with Edgeworth and... Uh, or as male, yeah, uh, and the doctor at, at the pool as he dies. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. that's a fantastic. Well, it scene. is, but then you've got you know Colin Baker, who is a very good actor, and you've got Maurice Denham, who is a was a big star back in there. Yeah. He was a very well known face on TV, and clearly a very very good actor. So you get people like that together, it's going to work. But then you get scenes with people like you know with the twins. And, you know, when we get to him, obviously, and I know it's a different Doctor further than I, but Ken Dodd in, in Delta and the Bannermen never comes across as quite believable. Uh, no, I love Ken Dodd, but he does not belong in Doctor it's, Who. It's, no, you know, uh, not, not playing a role like that. You know, if he was down as, as a vaudeville entertainer in a, in a, you know, say, for example, um, Evolution of the Daleks, if he'd come along as one of the acts on that... He would have fitted in with that, with, with yeah. what he does. But it's like comic booky. A lot of it comes across as quite comic booky or, or or kids cartoonish kind of reality. Which, when people have been used to things that have been going back to again the Pertwee and the Baker era, when okay, you know they didn't always have the the, the budget and and the technology to do things as well as they could. But every effort was made to make things look as realistic as possible wherever possible. And I'm particularly thinking of you know, the Hinchcliffe era when you've got stories like Pyramids of Mars and Brain of Morbius and Seeds of Doom 
you know, where the look of the stories is superb and the acting across the board is brilliant and the music's great and everybody's taking it seriously and it's not overly lit and the stories all make perfect sense. You find yourself drawn into them because there's nothing that distracts you from the story itself. Nothing's taking taking you away from it because it's it's that it's too unbelievable or it's too fantastical. And I think that's where the problem lay. It's not necessarily John Nathan Turner's fault per se, because he was kept on as a producer for too long because there was nobody else that wanted to take on the role because as the BBC fell out of favour with Doctor Who, then nobody was going to take the reins for something that they thought, well, the BBC don't like this, why should I do it? So J&T was stuck with it, and he was renowned for producing pantomimes and liking pantomimes and casting celebrities based on their celebrity status rather than their acting ability and going for the headlines and things like that. And he wasn't a writer, he wasn't a a story person. That was left to his script editor. Um, And Eric Saywood, whilst he came up with with some good stuff was trying to emulate Robert Holmes and latched on to the violent aspect that Robert Holmes brought to stories and so the, the things tended to sort of then turn that way the stories got more violent and trying to sort of grab the attention with that kind of thing and it just all detracted from what the show was trying was itself was trying to do I think and it was just a very unfortunate time that had there been somebody else overall in charge sort of looking at this and saying well hang on a minute and we did start to get that towards the end when Andrew Cartmel became script editor and he was effectively show running uh, because J&T pretty much gave him carte blanche to do what he wanted to do really and you can yeah. see the last the last three years from when Cartmel took over from the first year to the second year to the third year the change and the direction that it was going and the look of it became better and you could tell that they were really getting on top of things. Uh, the, the the overall standard was was grad was was going up and up and up. Just too little, too late, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, well, when you when, when yeah. you look at the the first season of McCoy, yeah, and and you compare it to the, to his last season, it yeah. kind of makes you wonder how how far his doctor would have really gone in terms of the dark yeah. side of because he he he. he I mean, he started off as a clown, but yeah, because he he, he was really, he was kind quite... of thrown in quite late in the day, and there was nothing really lined up when Andrew Cartmel took over. He didn't know really what was going on at the time when he took over. He was there was a script on the table from Pip and Jane Baker already for Time and the Rani, which he never liked, and Sylvester didn't know what he wanted to do with it there was nobody there to say right this is what we're doing because everybody else was coming in fresh and and late in the day and so sylvester has openly said well he as he didn't know what to do he he went for his natural instincts which were the comedic the clowning around yeah you know the slapstick stuff and you know all of that works it works perfectly well but there's too much of it and it's too obvious when it happens and so the first few stories, they kind of start to find their feet a little bit. And I like, I quite like Time and the Rani. I do. And I quite like Yay, Dragonfire. Yay, somebody else likes it. I love that show. 
I quite like it. I think I think there's a, there's some there's some good some good stuff in it. I can see that there are problems in it. It's not the greatest story, and the whole sort of Loy Hargill thing that comes in at the end is overly complicated and not set up very well. But you can see that there are the foundations there for things to things to get better, and it and it did. Mm. And and when they started the second McCoy series with Remembrance, it was um, I my okay. that. That's just a stellar story. I mean, I'd always I'd I'd been recording the stories for years by this point, and Remembrance episode one I watched again the same night, and then again the next day. So I'd watched it three times within twenty four hours, and it it had been a very very long time since that had happened. Wow! Because I just thought, well, this is this is brilliant. All the you know, I loved all the the, the sort of the, the the hints to things that had gone on in the past mm-hmm. and and everything, and it was it was just it was clearly a step up from what they'd done the previous year. Unfortunately, then you had Happiness Patrol, which didn't was work brilliant. As, it was okay, but you know why I say brilliant? Because I guess it's because of what's going on here now, and looking at everybody looking what's being told to us now in in the states at least yeah when i saw it it was like oh everybody's got to be happy you have to be happy be happy it doesn't make a difference if you're starving it doesn't make a difference if we're doing this to this person or that person or whatever you got to be happy because that's what the government's telling you to do it is silly but it's remarkably dark in places oh yeah yeah, it is and that sniper that my favorite favorite scene in doc one of my favorite scenes in doctor who about favorite is that the sniper scene? Talking. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go, Go ahead on. and shoot. Your, you want to pull kill. the trigger. End my life. End my yeah. life. And the blues music in it was brilliant. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was brilliant. But the Candyman, no. Yeah, the less said about him, the better. And <laughs> yeah. and yeah. they, as Andrew Cartmel himself has said, they, you know, they were they did well. When they were doing the stories, when they when the uh, after the first season, when they did things like Remembrance worked okay, Greatest Show worked okay because of the location yeah. stuff on it. I um, was never a fan of that one. Silver Nemesis, you know, whilst it had its I flaws, it looked okay because it's set on Earth. And you'll notice all of the next series, all of season twenty six, Battlefield set on Earth, Ghostlight set in a in a, a haunted house on Earth. Curse of Fenric, set on Earth. Survival, predominantly set on Earth. And then an alien planet, which is basically, you know, filmed on location. Happiness Patrol, set on an alien planet. They didn't have the budget to be able to convincingly do an alien planet because they couldn't spread the budget like they used to Mm -hmm. over the old series, over 26 episodes. They only had 14 episodes. You've got three or four episodes taken up on this one story. You've got the budget allocated to it. You couldn't siphon off some of the budget from another story because you didn't have enough stories to do that. So they ran out of the money to make this thing look as good as they could have done. And you had those stupid go-kart buggies that they all try and escape in that that you could walk fast with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the thing at the end when she when she finds Fifi dead... It's like, I thought that was extremely touching. And here's this woman that will kill everybody and anybody. Has no compassion for anyone, but she must be happy. Yeah. This is is where you've got Sheila Hancock as Helen A. Brilliant. 
great actress, so she can make it work. This is where I think Remembrance did very well, because you've got Simon Williams, Pamela Salem in it, Terry Malloy, Michael Sheard, yeah. all of these, you know, um, uh, what's-his-face who played Ratcliffe, um, whose name escapes me for the moment, can't think of it, but all of these people in there who were all very good actors, and and that worked. So the elements of the Happiness Patrol, I think, are brilliant and work very well. But element, other elements don't. The, the Candyman, you can't, it's what I was saying earlier, you can't take it seriously. No one is going to make some kind of robot that's basically made out of sweets and looks like Bertie Bassett. The idea for the Candyman was that he was going to be a bloke in a suit that just made sweets. So it was actually going to be quite dark. And that would have worked so much better. But yeah. JNT basically said, no, we need a monster. We need it's a candy man. Let's do it this way. And they do that. Oh, yeah, that no one would want to avoid. Was, was the voice. You know, you had it, this thing it, that looked stupid. And they used this silly sort of high-pitched squeaky mm-hmm. voice as well. And it's just, ooh. It, it, it pops up again in one of the um, recent Big Finish releases. I haven't heard it yet. But um, <laughs> it's supposed to be superb. Yeah. Well, oh, the, wow. candy man, the candy man would always look better when you couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you were talking about the whole Colin Baker thing, being an American and catching, starting with Tom Baker and very close to his regeneration. And then you have the regeneration to Peter Davidson, who I love anyways. I thought he was amazing as um, Tristan and everything. I was like, yes, we scored here. <laughs> and when it moved to Colin, I really was turned off by Perry being choked. Yeah. I was really turned off by the outfit. With Perry being choked, I thought, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We went from Peter to this? Yeah. And you can, you Colin, can see but... you can see what's happened. You've had possibly the most successful doctor, probably the most successful doctor of them all, with the only one possibly you could say would, would equal that would be um, would be David Tennant. But Tom Baker, obviously, who for many years, you mentioned Doctor Who, that's what people thought about, the Tom Baker in the scarf and the hat. Yeah, you know? right. So you went right. from this very alien, very off-the-wall character that played it for seven years. So after he finished naturally when somebody took over the bbc were like right okay well or the producer it's like right jonathan turn with this needs to be totally different from tom baker so if he's the most alien doctor then this is going to be the most human doctor that we've seen so far and davison himself said he wanted to make the doctor more fallible so that there was more element of jeopardy in the character but you put all that together and with a with a, a, a beige costume, you ended up with what people considered a beige doctor, somebody who didn't have that sort of the doctorish qualities, the alien qualities that they'd been used to seeing. And who was See, I bit... adored him. Oh, yeah, I did as well. I thought he was brilliant. But... I thought he was so good. It was just moving the crown. That's when I quit. A cracking actor. But then after they'd had Davison, who was the nice doctor... Then again, you had to write, we have to go the opposite of this doctor for something else. So they went for the nasty doctor. Mm. But then you've got an unsympathetic lead character to begin with, at least. And we all know what was what meant to happen. You know, the, the doctor was supposed to, this was all regeneration crisis and his personality would gradually come out. And he'd get nicer and nicer and the audience would warm to him. But like I said, they finished the season with that story. So you're left yeah. with nine months of not liking the character before it comes back and then it's still more of the same but gradually getting less and less 
And all and this see, time, people then have then have twelve months, uh, thirteen months, fourteen months of the character being the same, and people starting to turn off. I don't like this doctor anymore. I, he's not the the nice doctor that I'm used to. He's not the off the wall doctor or the right. nice doctor or the the protective doctor. He's the the, the doctor who bickers with his companion all the time. We don't, they don't look like they even want to be together. Well, on on broadcast, I never saw any of Colin Baker or Sylvester yeah. McCoy at all. I stopped watching at the end of the Peter Davison era, yeah. and it wasn't until they started releasing the VHS that I started buying the complete sort of collections, and, and, and I sort of begrudgingly bought the Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy releases, yeah. and I actually started to fall in love with their doctors, and especially Colin Baker, I... I, I really got an affinity with his doctor i really like him well that was that was what for me as soon as i saw him choking perry i said yep yep we're done yeah and that was it i mean well and then i became busy in the theater so it was like oh well this isn't going to run with my schedule anyway so it doesn't really make a difference until i think it was starting for this randy had me watch sylvester before a convention and we watched all of his season or everything and fell in love with Sylvester, fell in love with his doctor. In fact, it became my favorite doctor. And before we started something here, Randy said, you might want to watch Colin. I was like, oh, God. And we did. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my God, I actually really like his doctor. I mean, I really like the the snarkiness back and forth between the two of them. These two are absolutely in love. And they're snarking back and forth just like an old bickering married couple. And it was hilarious. But at the time that I first saw it, going from Davison to him, it was like, no way. And then, oh, I know what it was. We saw Blake 7. Colin was in Blake 7. And Randy said, you really should watch that. Mm -hmm. You really should watch Colin's era. No, I don't want to watch that. So we watched McCoy first and then Colin. Mm -hmm. And then I started listening to to Big Finish. And I came across one of Colin's free Big Finish episodes. Yeah. And it was beautiful. Colin's been very, very well served by Big Finish because oh. they've, oh. they've, taken, they've taken the character in the direction that he was heading anyway. There's a lot of and people likewise. who say that, that he works well on audio because you can't see the coat. <laughs> and, and for and some likewise, people, they Sylvester. can't get over yeah. the coat. And the same thing with Sylvester, you know. And yes. Sylvester's era has definitely become far more greatly appreciated than it was mm-hmm. at the time, basically because I think people could see where it was heading and they could see the fact that people were beginning to care about the show that they were making again, which was not so apparent, I think, in, in poor, poor old Colin's time. Well, um, what was cute was, did you see the pictures of Colin at, at the TARDIS with the little boy? with curly blonde hair in his coat. Yes. Yes. Okay. That was my picture. I didn't, I didn't know what happened. I just took the picture and the mother said, Oh, can I have one of, you know, can you give it to me? And I said, sure, I'll send it to you. And I gave her, sent her the picture because I was standing there and Colin was bending over and this little boy was looking up at him and they was, and it was adorable. Nice click. Didn't think much of it. Took a couple other pictures of the kid in the coat. Cause he was on our floor and the mom asked me, you know, can I, did you get that picture? Yeah. Can I have one? Sure. And the next thing I know, it's all over the place. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's my picture. I'm dying to meet Colin Baker. I, he I was so nice. Yeah. He, he, everyone I've spoken to, and I've spoken to him on Twitter a couple of times, and he is just the loveliest guy. 
he was sitting at our table at the at the TARDIS. They have a breakfast, and you have to pay extra for it. But it's that's absolutely worth everything, as far as I'm concerned, as yeah, far as the TARDIS. And each person comes in and sits down, and then they do a round robin, and they just go around all the tables. And Colin ended up at our table, and by the time he, his daughter has been ill, by the time he left, everybody was doing a prayer circle for his daughter. <laughs> he had us almost crying. I turned to him and I said, you know, I told him about this free big finish that I had heard that was just, it had me in tears. I listened to it over and over. I think it was called Operator. No, Wrong Call or False Call or something like that. And he said... Um, we couldn't think of the name of it. And he was stopping people. Hey, hey, you know, do, do you remember this? Do you remember this? I actually asked Nick, and Nick was trying to come up with it. He was so gracious. It was amazing. It was like he had known our table forever and was just gracious oh. and kind and told us about his daughter, told us about different things he had done, about her book, everything, and just was a dad. And everybody connected with him. I don't know whether you had it in the US, but he did a, a television show recently in the UK doing a caravanning trip around. Oh, yes, yes. And he was wonderful. Yeah. He was just so Colin. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. He was so Colin. <laughs> That's all you can say about him. He's, just, yeah. he's so, such a nice guy. And he cares about the programme. That's what I... Yes. Well, let's let's uh, be honest. Got... You know, after after he was effectively sacked, yeah, he was for not doing anything like wrong. Hit. Yeah, to, to like you know to come back to the show and to be associated with the show as much as he has over the years speaks volumes. I was going to say, uh, uh, I would say, aside from maybe Capaldi, he's probably been the biggest ambassador for the show that there's there's been. He's you know certainly the most accessible of all the doctors. I ju- I just said you know. There's a lot of really good actors. There's one, you can you watch them and you think, oh, these guys are great. These guys are great. But if people can move you to tears with their voice, just their voice, so that you have to imagine what's going on. I mean, just that. I love Big Finish for that, for Paul, yes. for giving, for bringing Paul back, and it's oh, like God, and yes. giving Paul a whole new storyline with Dark Eyes. My God, the people that thought, oh, my God, that movie sucked and blah, 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 didn't give him a chance. It's given him another chance. I quite liked the movie. The elements of the movie, I Thank think, were, you. were brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I did. The, the TARDIS um, set was amazing. McGann was superb. The look of it was brilliant. And it had the best theme tune of any of them. Um <laughs> I'm trying to remember that one. It's basically the big finish theme for for many years, wasn't it? They, they used the, the Eighth Doctor theme for the, a lot of their oh, stories wow. for a while. Yeah. That TARDIS was gorgeous. The elements Truly. of the movie that didn't work were the over-heavy continuity right at the beginning. People coming into it wouldn't know who the Master was, wouldn't know who the Daleks were. Why was the Master on trial why was why was he exterminated by the dalek why was the doctor taking his remains and the dalek sort of giving mm-hmm. his remains to the doctor you know none of that made any sense the master turning into a snake didn't make it, a whole made no didn't sense. make a whole <laughs> lot of sense the whole half human thing which just irritated the hell out of everybody because mm-hmm. it was like well here's you know oh the show's been suddenly it's produ- been produced you know, partly by the American market and 
oh, of course, yes, they have to make him half human because they want to spockify him up. Yes. Kind of thing. Um, I don't think, I think they thought that we wouldn't be able to accept it unless he was spockified. And it's like, dude, the Americans have been watching Doctor yeah. Who for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I just stick my ears, uh, fingers in my ears, and go la la la. Yeah, la, la. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you know, those are the bits that didn't that didn't work. But I mean, Sylvester in the movie is brilliant. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I didn't brilliant. like how he had to meet his end, though. That was pretty sad that he went through all of this. Well, it was to meet sad, his end but from a gangster. How it was like, how ironic for the exactly seventh, for the seventh Doctor to, and it wasn't the um, the gangsters that did it. It was the it was the hospital that did it. Yes, yes. You know, so that was a nice that was a nice twist. But so much of the rest of it was really really good, and it was a shame that it didn't get picked up. Although no. having seen what they were considering doing with the series, had it taken to a series, I'm quite glad that it didn't, because they were going to have the Doctor looking for his father Ulysses, and then it was going then the Master was going to be his brother, and they were going to introduce all these these elements of the Doctor's past that we didn't know about, demystifying the character completely. Mm. Which, yeah, you know, no, 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 you didn't, you didn't need any of that nonsense. Just, just no. adventures in time and space. Leave it that's, at that. That's where big, that's yeah. where big finish really came in and, and yeah. Yeah. took over the character and, and really yeah. made it a, a really well, credible Doctor. And what was cool was he was scheduled to come to the TARDIS Nobody knew he was going to release this Night of the Doctor. So they had Paul down. The Night of the Doctor hits. They went from like, oh, 1,000, 500 to, because they normally expect about, or they did expect about 500, maybe 1,000 people at this con to 3,200 people. (laughs) And they didn't know Mm. what the hell to do with them because it was like, oh, my God, these people are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. And it was, what, four days after the Night of the Doctor hit. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got a really hot commodity that you didn't think was a hot commodity at the time. Yeah. And Night, Night of the Doctor was a huge success. Tremendous it? success. Mm-hmm. Millions yeah. of downloads. Yeah. Four and a half yeah. million downloads or something stupid like that. Beautiful. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of Stephen Moffat, but that's the best thing he's ever written. Uh, to do everything that he did and to fit so much, so much story and character and everything into seven minutes is 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 brilliant. Yeah, is brilliant. Matt Smith announced that he was quitting as the as the eleventh Doctor on June the first, two thousand and thirteen. My birthday is on June the second, and mm. I'd already arranged with a group of fellow fans down here that we were going to go up to Cardiff and we were going to go to see the exhibition up there. So we did, and obviously we were talking about about this. When we got to the exhibition, Sky News were filming there because this was quite late when the story broke, so they were basically covering the, the, the fact that you know, Matt was leaving and what better place to do that than the Doctor Who experience. So I watched them doing this and um, the girl reporters who saw me and came over and talked to me and then she said do you, do you mind if we if we interviewed you and no go right ahead so so they filmed me and interviewed me and uh, and it was shown on on tv on my birthday talking about <laughs> matt smith leaving which was amazing but my mate works as a freelance cameraman and he works at roth lock he's worked on casualty and probably and and he said um 
uh, I've got my pass and everything. He said I can I can probably get you into the studio if you if you want. So well, yeah, fine. Yeah, let's let's do it. So you know, after all this had gone on, we went to Roth Lock, and we were wandering around. Um, unfortunately, the the studio with the TARDIS in was locked. But we looked at some of the other studios. There was the one that they were doing Wizards versus Aliens or whatever it was called in there. And then there was this other studio that was in complete darkness. And we went in and in the middle of it was just this big sort of spherical thing, which was clearly the outside of a, of, a, of a set. And so we went inside this and, you know, used the tor- uh, the camera torches and we're looking at this. And I thought, this this is, oh, they're making the 50th anniversary, aren't they? And this, I know the Zygons are in it. This could be a Zygon ship. That I'm standing in a Zygon ship, and there were all these firelighters on the floor. I use firelighters. I thought, this is, wow, wow, this is amazing. I could be on a set that's in the 50th anniversary special. Wow, that's brilliant. Went back and you know thought, well, that was brilliant. I've been in a studio. I've been on a set of some sort that's going to be used for something or other. And then I saw Night of the Doctor, and I didn't didn't twig it the first time I watched it, but the second time I watched it. It dawned on me that when they go to Khan and the Doctor's there with Ohila in a cave, shit, that's the set that I was on. Ooh. Oh, I wow. was, oh, I was on the set where Paul McGann regenerates. Oh. <laughs> and shivers went down my spine at that moment in time. Mm. <laughs> because I, oh, shit, I was on, the, I was on that set. <laughs> oh, was, how cool. I was, I was stood where Paul McGann regenerated. And when you consider that, you know, it was filmed very quickly, it was written and filmed very, very quickly, this. So they raised this this set, which was quite basic, really, and it wasn't up for very long. And they'd obviously only just finished doing it. So it was it must have been taken down very shortly thereafter. So not many people would would have actually ever been on that set. But I, I was one of them and on my birthday as well. And that, that was the beauty of it. I didn't realise until months afterwards what it was. <laughs> oh, how cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I still smile every time I think about that. We also, after we'd, we'd been on the set, that we went past and there was a thing with all these different props on it and there was a cane in there and nobody was you know, looking after these props or anything like that. And so I thought, well, these are all props from something. They must have been used on something. Ooh. Dare I? No, I can't. I, I was going to half-inch this cane. Um, I thought, no, I'd, I'd better not, so I left it. And I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it might have been the cane that Tom Baker used when he appeared at the end as the curator. Hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I nearly, I nearly had that. <laughs> I didn't, because I'm you know, too honest for that, unfortunately. I'm too bonus for me. I'm good sometimes, but well, and yeah. they would have known somebody took it somewhere, and they would have tracked and there it down was, here. Um, there was um, the picture was there that was the doctor uh, in this sort of the Elizabethan garb um, that was there at the back as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, wow, you you really don't want to put any of this on the end of your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> No, but this is this is the thing, you know. It, it's nice to have to have this stuff, and every now and again, you do get the odd little bit that's that's very funny. That it doesn't matter whether it's connected to the episode at all. It's just stuff that we've been talking about, and if it's funny, then I tend to stick it on. 
you know, as long as it's not, you know, sort of embarrassing for anybody or what have you, or or, mm-hmm. or potentially offensive to somebody. But if it's if it's stuff that we're just larking around with, and something somebody says something that's funny, then yeah, I'll stick it on as an outtake at the end. Why not? We're a comedy podcast, for God's sake. If you can't <laughs> if you can't use material that's funny, what's the point? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so. Don't embarrass me, though. Did I say anything that would be embarrassing? I don't think so. Yes, everything. Oh my! God. <laughs> Don't put any of that in there. All of it's going in. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it four o'clock now? <laughs> it's something like that. Yes. Right. Anyway. Good night, guys. Lovely chatting with you, chaps and and, and chapesses. Likewise. Good night, everyone. Chatty bye now. Bye. Night night. Bye bye. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. So there you go. That was our little conversation that we had. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you found it entertaining. And if you like that kind of thing and you'd like us to do it again every now and again, then just let just let us know. Get in contact with us for the usual methods. There will, as I say, said at the beginning of the episode, there will be one of these coming up in the not-too-distant future. We've already had a, another similar instance. So we've got that coming up for you. Next week, we're back to our regular programming with another new episode, another standard episode, and a new Doctor. Oh, yes. Which one will it be? You'll have to wait a week to find out. So in the meantime, have a lovely week, everybody. See you next week for the next new Doctor. Cheerio. hope you've enjoyed this episode of Doctor Whose Line Is It Anyway and if you'd like to contact us to let us know what you think about it then please reach us via Twitter or Facebook alternatively you can leave a review on iTunes we don't get many we'd love some more very much appreciated if you do that we'd also like some of you listening to join the cast so if anybody's interested in having a go just contact us through one of the usual channels and we'll get you on board Similarly, if anybody would like to submit any suggestions for characters, storylines, accents that we could do, anything along those lines, or to submit any music, sound effects, artwork, anything at all, just contact us through any of the usual channels again, and we'll see what we can do about including it. Okay, we'll see you next week for the next exciting episode. Cheerio. From all of us here on BBC One, a very good night. Good night.